Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock teaches a sermon titled, A Series of Unfortunate Events from Acts Chapter 27. When you have Jesus, he will take the pain caused by others' free will and turn it into something better. When you have Jesus, the hardship and the are you serious moments still hurt, but you can find meaning in the suffering. When you move through trials with faith and love, you allow peace and mercy to be a part of the journey. When you have Jesus in your life, even in the storms, there is purpose. What is the way forward through the storm? Listen to Jesus. You will not end up where you expected, but you will be where you're supposed to be. Well, good morning. Oh, it's so good to be with you guys. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I hope the rest of your afternoon is filled with delicious food and friends and football. Football. <laughs> um, if you are new or visiting to our church, welcome. It, it's, uh, it's no small thing to come to a church for the first time. Uh, and so I'm so glad that you're here. Every single week as a church, what we do is we remind each other uh, what we believe in and the story that we see in Scripture. Uh, this is not an order that happens. These things are happening all the time uh, in our lives. Uh, and the first truth that we see in Scripture is that there's always hope beyond our brokenness, always. There's no place in your life, there's no doubts that you have, there's nothing that you've done or that, that's been done to you that disqualifies you from God's love. You are here, we are here, because we all have the same story, that no matter where there is pain and heartache and grief in our life, God is here to heal and renew, and to save and to forgive us. Amen? So that's the first thing we believe. Second is that we are called to trust in our risen Savior. We're not called to, to trust in an idea, right? It's not like uh, we believe in the force, uh, right? Like we're all good Jedis or something. No, we're called to trust. That's a relationship word in Jesus who is alive and present here through the Holy Spirit. And we do that together. Uh, lone, being a lone ranger doesn't work. Uh, Tonto leaves and silver runs away, and then you're stuck. Uh, so we do it together as uh, in small groups, in larger groups, in family groups, in friend groups. We trust, we learn how to trust Jesus together with the next thing that's happening in our life. Not, not everything all at once, just the next thing that's happening in our life. And then finally, we get to bring restoration. We get to bring restoration for those who are in need in our community. And, and like Zed said, we, we're not a church that says, well, you know, thoughts and prayers. No, we're actually doing things. We're actually doing things, real things, to radically transform people's lives. And uh, uh, we, we, we take a family or we take a couple of families and we love them well to completion so that when we get done loving them, they, they would think, all of these people feel and smell and act and treat me as though exactly like Jesus would. That's what we want. Heaven on earth. Amen? And I'm just so grateful for you all. You guys are spectacular, and I love you, and I love you, and I love you. And so what we get to do uh, is every day make a choice together uh, that we are going to uh, have this hope 
and that we are going to pursue this trust in Jesus and himself, and we're going to bring restoration and love well. And so those are decisions that we make. And so let's make them again together, shall we? Let's declare together the truth in our choice today. We are disciples who walk intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love you guys. Um, So we're coming down to the last couple of chapters in the book of Acts. Isn't that crazy? After this, we're going to do the Johns, first, second, and third John. Uh, So if 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 you wonder what those books are, John, while he's in prison, uh, the disciple, he's the only kid in the youth group that Jesus had. Jesus had one in his youth group as a, as a, as a, a sign of hope for every youth minister on planet Earth. Uh, and so John is, is in his 70s, and he's in prison writing, and he's going to write these letters about how to love well. Uh, so we're going to do that after the book of Acts. But today is one of my absolute favorite stories in all of Scripture Uh, And I know I say that like every other week, but it's just true. Uh, Paul is going to have a... Did you ever read that book growing up, Alexander and his terrible, horrible, no good, awful day? Whatever the... Yeah, whatever the thing is. Uh, This is Paul's version of that. Uh, Paul's going to have a horrible month, one of the worst of his life. Other people's free will is going to wreck him. Weather is going to wreck him. And all the while, Paul's going to do something... Um, uh, that, is, that transforms his situation, which is that he's going to listen to Jesus along every step of the way, and he's going to love well, and, and God is going to bring him through disaster after disaster after disaster so that God's good and perfect and pleasing plan can happen in Paul's life. And maybe right now in your own life, you're, you're walking through that valley of the shadow of death. Maybe in your own life, the storms are raging. Or maybe you're next to someone and they're going through that. Because sometimes things are dark and things are difficult and things are painful. And today you need to know that you can make it through. And you need to know that your Savior and your God is with you. And He's never left you. And he never will. So, can I have permission to speak to your heart of hearts today? Would that be okay? You sure? Okay. Well, can we pray then? So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our ears and our eyes. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would awaken our souls. We ask, Holy Spirit... Wherever we are, whether we're listening online at home or or here in the sanctuary or driving, God, that that you, Lord Jesus, would have rule and reign over our space and over this time. So again, we silence and cast out anything opposed to Jesus that's bothering us. And we ask, Father, for protection over this space because we want to hear your voice. And God, I thank you for the people listening online and who are here today that don't know much about you. But God, they're here. And so reveal yourself to them in a brand new way. We love you, Jesus. And all God's people said?
Amen. Okay, so where are we in Paul's very last road trip? Uh, he spent two years on the coastal city uh, just west of the Sea of Galilee called Caesarea, very close to modern-day Tel Aviv in Israel. And he spent two years there while Governor Newsom was trying to have... Um, sorry, Governor Felix, uh, he was trying to uh, get Paul to give him a bribe. So he wasn't hearing his case. Uh, he wasn't hearing his case. Uh, justice was delayed so that uh, Paul would bribe the governor and Paul wouldn't do it. And so finally, a new governor is elected. Paul goes before that governor and, and says, hey, look, I've been unjustly imprisoned. I'm falsely accused. I don't deserve death for whatever the crimes they think I've done, um, and I appeal to Caesar. Now, Paul knew full well in that moment that he didn't need to appeal to Caesar. Uh, the new governor here in his case would have just said, you're right, you're a Roman citizen, none of this stuff that, they're, that your Jewish uh, um, uh, rabbis are accusing you of is worthy of death, you could go free, but that's not Paul's mission. Jesus himself showed up into Paul's jail cell and said, you've done a great job proclaiming the gospel here in Israel, Now I want you to do it in Rome. So Paul goes, how do I get a free trip to Rome? I will appeal to the higher court. And as a Roman citizen, he has a right to do that. And Paul is going to have one crazy Uber trip. Okay, so let's read together. Acts chapter 27, verse 1. Uh, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy. Now, Luke is still with Paul. Luke, the gospel writer, the gospel of Luke, he's with Paul on this journey. There are sections of Paul's ministry lasting almost 35 years that Luke wasn't a part of. He's a part of this journey now. So read with me from the beginning again. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. Pause there for a moment. Uh, Luke names a centurion that would take Paul to Rome. The only other time that uh, soldiers are named in the New Testament or in the Old Testament is when God does something incredible in them or through them. So that is a big flag there, okay? So we're going to find out why Julius is named. But Julius belonged to the imperial regiment. Verse 2, keep on reading with me. We boarded a ship from that place about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia, and we put out to sea. So here's a map for you so you can know where that place starts. So there, you can see bottom right, Paul starts in Jerusalem. He shipped up to Caesarea. That's basically modern-day Tel Aviv. That was the Roman seat of power or the seat of... Uh, um, you know, if like uh, San Francisco is a financial hub in California, Sacramento is a governmental hub, Jerusalem is a trade and religious hub and local governance hub of Israel, Caesarea would be the Roman uh, sort of uh, governmental hub of that region. And what they're going to do first is they're going to take a hop and skip up to the coast to, to Sidon. So verse 3, the next day we landed at Sidon and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that they might provide for his needs. By the way, when you get arrested in most every other country, they don't pay for your food, your family does. Don't get arrested in other countries. 
Don't get arrested in this country. The food's terrible here. It's even worse over there. Ask Kilo. He was a prison guard for a long time, right? Done a lot of prayer work just about the food. Yeah? So what's going on here? Uh, the centurion allows a prisoner who's chained with along a bu- bunch of other prisoners in the belly of the ship, allows one prisoner to actually leave the ship, go ashore, and have beignets with his friends. Paul gets medicine, that cell phone charger he forgot, an extra pair of glasses. Like, what is going on here? This is exceptionally kind, which means that somehow Paul has been kind enough and reasonable enough and thoughtful enough to build a friendship with Julius. Does that make sense? If a prisoner is mean and horrible and awful to you, you, as the centurion, the jailer, have no motivation to let them out of the ship and go hang out with their friends. So something has happened there that's good. And here's the first point today. Just because you're going through a hard time, just because you've been treated unfairly, doesn't mean that you get to act like a twit to everyone around you. If you're getting an elbow in the ribs right now, today's for you. I mean, you can act like a twit, but it won't go well for you. Let me give you an example. So I want to grow and change for the better, and I think you do too. So uh, over this last year, I've been working on getting healed from my entitlement. Entitlement is when you want to have any, everything that you want, when you want it, how you want it right now. Yes? It's you screaming at the microwave, hurry up, okay? <laughs> it's you insisting that you get your way. It doesn't matter what it costs anybody else, okay? Um, so when my friends and family have been courageous enough to confront me on my behavior, right, um, at first when they did, uh, I got so angry at myself that I would beat myself up and I was absolutely miserable to be around. I was short, I was irritable, um, uh, and I was all just like discouraged. And so what I was doing was that first I was entitled, then they had the courage to confront me, and then I was punishing them with my foul behavior. Oh, <laughs> what a peach it was <laughs> to be around me. Wow. Does that make any sense? Like when I look at it, we can understand the logic of it, but when you look at it, is that, is like, is, is that the way that you want to live? One person said no. <laughs> Everybody else is like, I'm entitled to act however I want when somebody confronts me on my entitlement. Um, so I've, I've been learning how to feel and also to show at the exact same time that I can be angry and frustrated with my bad behavior and at the exact same time show people that are around me love and kindness. I can do both at the same time. I can walk and chew gum, right? Yes? Yes. Somebody says no. (laughs) So how do you do this? Okay, uh, so so let me just make sure that I'm framing this properly. you're in a situation in which hard, legitimately hard things are happening in your life, okay? How do you, in that moment, 
Treat people well even when you're going through a difficult time. Think about Paul. He's chained to the bottom of a ship. Now, he can say, I'm mad at the man. I'm mad at all authority because I'm unjustly chained at the bottom of the ship. So anybody that smells or looks like authority, I'm just going to rage against. Does Paul do that? No, he's kind to Julius. He's kind. Now, he has all the emotions about the fact that he's been unjustly jailed for two plus years. He has all the emotions about the fact that, you know, um, he could be taking a road trip with his friends to Rome, right? He doesn't have to be chained there. He could be mad and irritated that he got beaten up unjustly all these different times, but Paul doesn't. So how do you have all those emotions without also damaging the people close to you? Here it is. Are you ready? You talk. And all the women are like, duh. And all the men are like, really? Are you ready? Here it is. You literally say this. Are you ready? I'm really angry at myself right now. That's it. That's all you have to do. And you don't have to say that while throwing anger at everybody else. Does that make sense? You can say, I'm really tired right now without throwing irritation and frustration at everybody else. You can say, I'm really hurt right now without throwing venom at everybody else. I mean, it only took me 45 years to figure that out. (laughs) I remember when I was in seminary, um, so I'm, I'm in New Jersey, I'm literally studying how to love God and love other people well and I'm going through therapy, and I'm realizing all the stuff in which my, my dad had, how he'd messed up my life, and my therapist says to me, Andy, you've never allowed yourself to be angry. You need to be angry. And so I'm like, how do I be angry? And he's like, you know, scream into a pillow, punch a tree, do whatever, <laughs> right? And I, I learned in Ireland that it, there's, a, there's a tree in every woman's backyard in Ireland. They call it the screaming tree. Now, Ireland is uh, duplexes. Rarely does anybody in Ireland actually have a home that's like got acreage or separation. I mean, so everybody is like wall to wall to wall to wall to wall with their friends, and everybody has a tree in their backyard, and all of the wives go outside and scream at this tree because their husband is drunk again or whatever, right? So it's a great way to gossip, and, but also to not gossip. And so I didn't have a screaming tree. And so I had a screaming pillow, and so I would scream into the pillow. I would take drives, and I would yell, and because and, oftentimes that's a safe place for me to feel. Um, it's an enclosed space. No one's around. Um, and nowadays, all I have to do is put in like a Bluetooth thing, and people think I'm not crazy. Um, <laughs> but in, I, in, in 1990, well, no, in 2001, I didn't have any of those things um, in New Jersey. And so... In New Jersey, uh, the on-ramps to the highways in which everybody is going 75 to 80 miles an hour, the on-ramps are 18 feet long. Uh, and so in New Jersey, you, 
you put your foot on the brake and your foot all the way down on the gas pedal and then you let your foot off the brake and then you launch into, in, into the lanes and, and try not to kill anybody. Um, and, and then the worst part about it is, is that uh, you, know, you have to floor it. Other people, they don't brake, they don't speed up to let you in. You've got to manage that or you hit the wall. Uh, and a lot of people hit the wall in New Jersey. Uh, and so I'm flooring it, and April's sitting next to me, and, and I'm flooring it, and there comes in perfect timing a car. I'm, everybody's going 75 except the car that's in front of me, which is going 45 miles an hour. And so I go from 70 miles an hour to 40 miles an hour in an instant, and then everybody's coming 70 miles behind me, and I'm about to get plowed into, and I'm freaking out. And all of a sudden, all of the anger, which I was, was destined for my pillow later that day, came out. And so I was just yelling at the car in front of me, and I rolled down April's window and switched lanes and sped up and was about to demonstrate an uh, international aviary sign uh, to, 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 to the car next to me. And I was ready to go and is about to deliver it. And April's like, are you serious? And I'm like... I'm just so mad right now, and I look over, and, and there are these people driving. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. It was, a, it was literally a car with four nuns in it. <laughs> the seminary student was about to flip off a car full of nuns. <laughs> so the, ro- the windows rolled down, right? And I'm ready to go, and I'm like this, and they're all like this, and I'm all, hi. All my, all my anger melted. <clears throat> See, I, I didn't know how to actually say, oh, man, that really makes me angry without just raging at them. I was an infant in my emotional maturity. And, and part of what we get to learn is how to become emotionally healthy people to where we can articulate our feelings and say how we feel without pushing all of that out at the people that we love that are really helping us through it. The gospel says that we're all more broken than we want to admit, like everyone is broken. Do you understand that? Like, don't break the people next to you even more just because you're hurting. Remember that you're loved more than you could ever dare to hope. So choose to be kind. Choose to laugh and not take yourself so seriously. Talk out your feelings rather than throwing them in the face of the people who love you well. Paul was kind to Julius And now Julius is kind to Paul. That's what happens in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world is that you rage against people who trigger you. And the kingdom of God is that you talk about how you feel and you love people even when they're your captors. Let's keep on reading. Verse 4. From there, we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. This is foreshadowing. Back to our map. So you can see they're sailing along the Mediterranean coast. They're actually sailing right by where the epicenter of the, of the, of the uh, 
of the earthquake was in Turkey. Um, and there they're going uh, around Cyprus. Cyprus is that big island um, in, in the northeast corner of the Mediterranean Sea. And, and they're going to stop there. And, and they're, they're sailing in the Mediterranean during the winter time. The waves and weather can get crazy in the open ocean at this time of the year in the Mediterranean. This isn't like going up to Atascadero Lake by the zoo and crossing it. This is a massive ocean with huge waves. Verse 9, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was the day after atonement. That's the fall. So Paul warned them, verse 10, read with me. Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. Into our own lives also. So Paul, chained to the, and the belly of the ship, was like, hey, you guys, I've done this trip like six times before. We're sailing the wrong time of the year. And what does the pilot and the crew and the captain think? What does a stupid prisoner know? He's in chains for a reason. He's a liar. Verse 11, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. So instead of listening to Paul, uh, everybody says, no, 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 no. Let's keep on going. We'll try and make it around the island, and we can winter there. How do you think it's going to go? Yeah, not good. This is an example, by the way, of entitlement. I want things my way, when I want, how I want. So instead of listening to reasoning or warning, I'm going to push my agenda forward no matter what. Can you see that? So when we're entitled, we will ignore the mountain of evidence of everybody saying, that's not a good idea, and we will pick out one little tiny moment of evidence that says that's a good idea. Verse 13. Are you ready? Here we go. Uh, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. They thought, there's a break in the weather, let's go. They don't want to winter in a place that has bad restaurants and poor, you know, just a Motel 6. They want to be where there's like a, you know, a Cracker Barrel and a Cheesecake Factory and it's a good movie theater and like, you know, right? You know what I'm saying? Do you not know Cracker Barrel and the Cheesecake Factory? Am I speaking speaking the wrong language here? Sorry. Okay. So they set sail, and you can see here, so they set sail, and in the middle of the Mediterranean island, there's this uh, island called Crete. And so they're bopping along to these different ports, and they're hoping to get to, they're hoping that they would go around this, they're on the south side of Crete, Crete, and they're hoping to get around to the north side of the island where the winter or the, the harbors are safe during the wintertime, and it's calm, and they have nice restaurants. Does that make sense? Okay. So, for verse 14. Ready? Here we go. Before very long, read with me, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Um, So when you're in a massive storm with hurricane winds, you put your sails up, and and the wind simply drives you where it's going to take you. You have no control. You have no power. 
you know, it's not like they can start up their diesel engine and just go where they want to. Okay, they are driven along, and the pilot's job is to keep himself going in the directions of the waves and not get the boat sideways so that it gets capsized. But they have, they're just along for the ride at this point. I'll never forget, um, April got me uh, a Christmas gift, and I'll put that in parentheses, because <laughs> it was a, a six-foot-long uh, dinghy uh, that when you got into it, the water was in half an inch below the rails. And she got me an electric motor uh, with a battery, which pushed the, the boat even farther down into the water, and so that I could go out fishing in Estero Bay. Estero Bay is the bay uh, in between Los Osos and Moro Bay. Uh, Paul and Kathy go kayaking out there, and, uh, and it has incredible currents when, it comes, when the water flows in to the bay. Uh, and you can go shark fishing there and catch leopard sharks. I've done it before. And you can go oyster. There's the Oyster Moor by Oyster Company. Uh, and then it's an incredible current when it goes out of Estero Bay. And almost the entire bay drains. And you can see Paul and Kathy stuck there with their kayaks on, on, on the weekend. Um, and it's happened before. And so I didn't know this. Um, and I thought that my um, one-quarter horsepower electric motor would be enough. And so I was out there fishing, and then, uh, and you know, the bay, it's nice. I was there at, at what's called slack tide. The, the slack tide isn't going in. It's not going out. It's just flat. And I'm there, and I'm putting along, and it's so nice, and I'm in the fishing hole. And then all of a sudden, I'm being swept out uh, closer and closer to Morro Bay. And so I, oh, it's time to turn on the electric motor. So I turn on the electric motor, and zzzz, and 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 I'm I'm not going anywhere, and 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 now I'm going backwards, and now I'm going backwards out to sea, and I'm I'm going to the left where the shore is, and it's I'm still going backwards, and I'm going right to where the sandbar is, on the other side is the sea, and I'm I'm going backwards, and it's on full blast, and then the motor is going, you know, it's an electric motor with a battery that's this big, so it's, and. And I just have this newspaper article flashing in my head, local pastor found at seven miles out at sea after five days, you know, and like I, I'm just desperate. And then there's, then this skiff comes by from the Morro Bay Oyster Company and I love their oysters and I owe them my life. And I, I stood up, which was a bad idea. And I sat down, and I screamed, I said, hey, help me. Uh, I, and I'm like, I'm, I'm being dragged out in the sea. And so they turned around and they threw me a rope and they said, tie this onto your cleat. And I looked down and there's no stupid cleat on the boat. And so I held on for dear life as the Morro Bay oyster skiff. And I'm, my hands are burning. And finally, it's like I, got the, the, I tied it somehow around my arm and I got the electric motor on full blast. And they dragged me into shore and... I sold that <laughs> Christmas gift uh, not long after. I mean, we've all been there, right? Everyone warned us about getting involved with that person, but we thought, oh, it'll be fine. I know better. They were a hurricane in our life. We were warned about the direction we were heading. You're going too fast. You're not listening. You're making mistakes. We, I got it. Then the hurricane hit. We knew that months of like no prayer was not good. We thought, that's fine. I'll just buckle down. Doesn't matter. 
Then the hurricane hit. All these situations in our life, we're driven along by the consequences of our actions, and there's no escape. What's even harder is when your life is driven into a hurricane, not because of your choices, but because of another person's free will. Your spouse drove you right into the maw of the storm. Your parents just flung you right into the eye of the hurricane. The company made cuts, and you lost your job, and now you're adrift heading out to sea. Let me ask you, if in the small moments of discomfort, you're willing to treat others around you poorly, how will you act when the hurricane hits? If you've practiced loving others well, even when you're suffering, being kind and joyful, even when you're hurting, you'll be the only person who is capable of keeping the ship upright when the storm hits. Read that with me. If you've practiced loving others well, even when you're suffering, being kind and joyful, even when you're hurting, you'll be the only person who is capable of keeping the ship upright when the storm hits. Verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. What does that mean? All profit is lost. That's what that means. Not only am I not going to make any money, now I'm going to lose money. Okay? Verse 19, read this with me. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So the storm's been raging for days and days and days. They're trying to lighten the load so that the waves don't keep on washing over the, the railing, the bow of the boat. So the first is, let's try and ride this out. The second is, and keep some money. The second is, we're not going to make any money. We're probably going to die. Let's jettison the cargo, right? There's only two things left after cargo, right? People and all the ropes and sails and pulleys and riggings and things that would actually steer the ship. Does that make sense? All that stuff's heavy. So if you've lost your schedule because of the storm and you've lost your profit because of the storm, now you've lost hope when you throw out all of the sails and all of the ropes. Verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, what's that mean? It's a storm. It's a dark and cloudy and horrible storm. And the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Cargo's lost. Direction, the ability to steer the ship is lost. Now all hope is lost. Check this out. Verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, read this with me. Man, you should have taken my advice to not sail from Crete. Are you serious? Wait a minute. What? This is like the ultimate I told you so. It's been like 10 days. Everybody's like just barfing sick, having like, oh, they just feel awful. Everything's lost. And Paul's like, Hey, 
Remember back when I said don't go? Is he doing this to taunt? No, he's not. He's not rubbing it in the faces. He's speaking so that they'll listen to what he has to say next. Does that make sense? Okay. Uh, Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Keep on reading with me. Ready? But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So Paul stands to give a word of hope. He speaks a word of encouragement even to people who do not listen to him, who've put his life and his mission in danger. How can Paul do this? Well, I'll tell you how he did it. He prayed. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. He's at the bottom of the ship. Someone else's free will is wrecking his life again. And what's his response? It's not to rage. It's not to blame. It's not to scream. It's not to freak out. It's to pray. And then an angel shows up and speaks to him a word of hope. Then Now Paul has something to say. Does that make sense? When another person's free will wrecks your life, pray. When you've driven yourself into a storm, pray. God's plan for your life is not going to be thwarted because you made a bad decision or they made a bad decision. Do you understand? He's bigger than that, and he's better than that. Yeah, we're all going to go through storms. Yeah, you're going to face moments in your life when it feels like all hope is lost. This is why Jesus is our hope, not circumstances. Does that make sense? Jesus is our hope, even when you don't get a parking spot at Trader Joe's. (laughs) Jesus is our hope, even when your team didn't make it to the game or loses. Jesus is our hope, even when your kids don't do what they want you to do, what you want them to do. Jesus is our hope even when your spouse did that thing again. Jesus is your hope even when it doesn't work out the way that you thought it would. Even when you had an expectation, you had a plan, and then it didn't happen. Jesus is your hope then. Always. We don't put our hope in things working out just so. That's called entitlement. We put our hope in Jesus. This is why we can be kind and loving even when we're hurting. We are the people that when the storm rages and when all hope is lost, we are the people who will bring courage to our families. We are the people who will bring courage to our, the places where we work. We are the people who bring courage to our neighborhoods. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. You are the church. You are the courageous ones. You are the valiant ones. You are the kind ones. And when you're kind and when you're loving and when you're courageous in the middle of a storm, do other people listen? No. (laughs) Verse 30. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboats down into the sea 
pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Let's leave all these suckers to die while we leave. Ain't no prisoner chained at the bottom of the ship had a vision from God that all of us were there just because of him. Verse 31, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Well, that's a, that's a predicament. Centurion's like, well, I listened to you before, then I didn't listen to you, then I did, then I didn't, then I did, then I didn't, and then it really didn't work out. So then the centurion, Julius, decides to listen to Paul one more time. So the soldiers, read this with me, so the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat. Just picture this, you're on a cruise. Storm is raging. They have a bunch of felons in the bottom because they're just going to transport them from Guadalajara where they're arrested back to California where they will serve time. One of them says, as the storm rages, let all the lifeboats go. No one can escape, otherwise we'll all die. The captain goes, you're crazy. And you as the passenger... Watch as the whole crew tries to board the lifeboats and leave you behind to die. Then the police say, no, we're not going to do that. And you think, thank God, they'll let me on. And then the police says, no, we're just going to let all the lifeboats go. (laughs) One star review on that one, right? Like, (laughs) what is that decision? This is just the worst. It's the worst What's, what's, Paul's, what's Paul's response, right? Well, by the way, don't be surprised that people who wreck your life, even when you tell them, hey, stop, there's hope, you could change direction, don't be surprised when they continue to try and wreck your life. Picking up what I'm putting down? Some people will just try and wreck your life. What's Paul's response? Revenge, right? Well, he stands up to speak for the 276 souls on board. Verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. What? For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in a constant suspense and you have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Next slide. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Read this with me. And after he said this, He took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. Sound familiar? It's the same steps that Jesus did when he took communion, and it's the exact same steps over and over and over again. And so what does Paul do? Instead of getting angry and seeking revenge for all the people that were trying to leave him for dead, what does he do? He continues to take care of them. He continues to love them well. Good Lord, why? Because the Lord is good. That's why. God is good to me when I'm a twit to others. God is good to me when someone else's free will wrecks my life or causes me harm. God is good to me when the weather is good. God is good to me when the weather is bad. God cares for me. Therefore, I can 
care for others. I have friends who ask each other each day, have I told you I love you today? Then the husband realized that, um, that he needed to do more than just tell his wife, have I told you I love you today? So he needed to actually show his wife that he loved her. And so then they started to ask each other, have I shown you that I've loved you today? And then after a while, they started showing each other that they loved her each day. And at the end of each day, they would tell each other that, and they would name the moments in the day where they showed each other that they loved her. They loved each other. It was beautiful. And then one day, the wife made a suggestion. She said, listen, we love each other well. Maybe we can start asking each other, who have you loved well today? And so now, each day, they ask each other, who have you shown love to today? See, God cares for them, and they're caring for each other, and now they're thinking, how do I love another person well? Do you see it? You picking up what I'm putting down? This is the power of the gospel to transform your life and the life of everybody near you. The cargo's gone, lifeboats are gone, sails are gone, ropes are gone. Finally, Paul's ship runs near an island. They have no idea where they are. The ship is breaking apart. They throw all the anchors out. The ship is literally in 25 feet of water, but it's like 200 yards from shore. And so the ship is literally aground. It's wedged up against rocks. And when a ship with waves is wedged up against rocks, it just eventually breaks apart. Well, it takes time for 276 people to safely swim to shore, but they all do, except the prisoners. Why? Because they're chained to the boat. And their last priority. We read in the book of Galatians that Paul says in his list of everything that went wrong in his life, he said, I was adrift at sea one day and one night, and this is the day and the night. He was sitting there on a piece of wood, chained to that piece of wood, while everybody else was going to shore. I don't know about you, but sitting in the cold Mediterranean water, just think about sitting in the Pacific Ocean right now, a day and a night. How would you feel? The answer is cold. I'll say that again. How would you feel? Cold. cold. Like down to your bones cold, right? Chilled cold, hypothermia cold, teeth chattering cold, can't feel your toes cold. Verse 1, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta, the islander just showed us unusual kindness. They built the fire and welcomed us all because... Wait, no, 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 no. It's not just cold. It's raining. it's raining and it's cold. Are you kidding me? Right? Paul's like, I'm in the water and now cold water is coming on top of me. Right? Verse 3. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire... Wait, wait, wait. wait don't go to the next slide. Paul's cold. He's stumbling his shore, teeth chattering, weakened by the cold, being tossed away around by the waves day and night. And what does he have to do? He has to gather his own firewood. That's a bad day. Yes? And as he's gathering his own firewood to warm himself, absolutely exhausted, falls on his knees into the sand. He's barely hanging on. No one's helping me. And then 
a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Are you kidding? Seriously? Like if I was Paul and look at it, like that's, I'm done. Like that's it. Like really, God? I'm, that's it. Okay. Like I'm done. Right? Enough already. All the way done. Verse 24. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they were like, ooh. And then they thought, oh, well, this guy's got to be a murderer. I mean, yeah, he escaped from the sea, but like God's going to punish him because the goddess justice is, oh, that's it. It's one bad dude. It is how we think, right? Right? I mean, that's how we think. When bad stuff happened to us, we're like, what have I done to deserve this? Oh, yeah. (laughs) But check this out. This is just a gangster moment. Ready? Verse 5. Read this with me. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. He's like, he's like, lunch. Snake's good, barbecued, I guess. I've never had it, but that's what Paul does. He's just like, uh, viper, whatever. Just flings it into the fire. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, he, either he's so tired to even care, or he's like, I'm going to barbecue this snake and eat it for lunch. Thank you, Jesus, for the meal. Right? <laughs> either way, it's just a fantastic moment. Everyone's watching. They think he's going to die. Like, oh, he deserves this. Right? Chained, failing, nearly drowned, now bitten by a snake. But then, verse 6, the people expected him to swell up (laughs) or suddenly fall dead. Read with me. But after waiting a long time, now just check it out. Wait, just put yourself there. They're all like, all the people from Malta are like, did did you see this guy? He's like, he's like, oh, I'll throw him this. Just watch this. Let's just watch this guy. Oh, yeah, bring some beer over here. Let's watch. This guy's going to die in a moment. I know it. But, read with me, after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said, they're like, Bob, he's not dead. I know. He's not dead. I know. Is he Thor? I don't know. He might be a god. How is this even possible? Right? What's happening If what is supposed to kill you doesn't, people pay attention. If you move forward in your life through all the storms and all the pain with love and kindness and faith in your heart, people pay attention. To them, you're either a saint or an angel or a god, or you have God in you. So what happens? Julius... The centurion, the governor of Malta, is like, oh, come here. Come stay in my house. And what does Julius do? He says to Paul, come stay with us. And so Paul goes from viper on the sand, hypothermia, to governor's mansion, 900 thread count sheets. Incredible, okay? Then the governor hears about Paul, and the governor's dad is sick, and the governor says of Malta, says, can you pray for my dad? Verse 8, his father was sick in bed. This is the governor's father, suffering from fever and dysentery. 
Paul went to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and verse 9, read this. Just take it all in when you read it. Are you ready? When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. How many? The rest. That's how many. All of them. Yes. The island of Malta to this day, a thousand years later, 2,000 years later, is known for being a place of deep faith. Uh, where the vast majority of people love Jesus, uh, where Paul washed up on shore on the north side of the island of Malta, it's called St. Paul's Bay. When you have Jesus, Jesus will take that person's free will choice to hurt you and turn it into something better than you could ever expect. You understand that? Someone makes a choice to wreck your life with Jesus, he can take that death and turn it into life. When you have Jesus, the suffering that you endure, whether it's your choice or not, whether it's just the weather or life itself, with Jesus, that suffering can be turned into something beautiful and meaningful. When you have Jesus, those moments when you go, are you serious, God? I am all the way done. It's a freaking viper on my hand after all of this. He can take all that and turn it into lunch. He can turn it into something beautiful. See, Jesus has a good plan for your life, a good, perfect, and pleasing plan for your life. And Jesus always honors your free will. There's going to be a door that you're going to walk through. You're supposed to walk through that. And some people will close that door and they'll say, nah, you can't go through there. They'll put a moat in the way, a fire-breathing dragon. And what is Jesus going to do? He's going to give you other doors to go through so that you can get to where you're supposed to go. But here's the thing. Here's the big point. How do you get through it all? What's the way forward through the storm? You got to pray. You got to listen to Jesus. You got to keep listening to Jesus. Paul wasn't supposed to be on that belly of that ship. He prayed. Paul wasn't supposed to speak those things. He prayed. Paul was never supposed to end up in Malta. He's only there because he prayed. Not a soul was lost, 276 of them. And instead of not only no souls were lost, everybody on Malta got healed and tens of thousands of people got saved. Why? Because Paul listened. He kept on listening to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you got stuff going on in your life right now. Don't stop listening to God. Keep on listening to him. He's going to use you. I know that it's so frustrating that that door is closed. It's okay. There's going to be a workaround, okay? You're going to end up where you're supposed to go. The people that you love, they're going to be where God wants them to be. Keep listening to Jesus. That's the way through because he loves you. And even when you are dead in your foolishness, Jesus listened to his heavenly father and died for you. And then he was risen again for you, and he loves you. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being patient while I preach very long, but let's stand (laughs) for the benediction. Lord Jesus, bless and seal this good word in our hearts tonight and today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for meatballs outside and cantaloupe.
And all God's people said, Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and his delight in you and give you the peace that Paul passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Go, go in peace this day. Thank you. Love you. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California, and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.